Segway it in. I just imagine someone riding a Segway naked. <laughs> that would a, be the that's the most horrific visual ever. Justing. With an erection. Because like, <laughs> there's no way you can look anything less than ridiculous on a Segway and then you're naked on top. That's amazing. I think that they're standing backwards with an erection on a Segway. But they have the helmet on still. Well, you have to. Safety, it's a safety first. protocol. <laughs> You you know who else is pro safety? High proof creative. <laughs> Karen, are, is she really? <laughs> Actually, yeah, I have no idea if she is. I'm hoping she is. I mean, obviously, again, we come back to the fact that it's a little suspect since they are supporting us. I mean, uh, I'm the Karen, only one who's talked to her, so it could just be me catfishing you guys. I yeah, knew it. That's true. That she seems so she seems like the consummate professional though, so I doubt that it's you. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, and like she, it's like for what it seems like is she might be good at what she does, which is hard for me to empathize with. <laughs> okay, so we can actually prove this out a little bit. Colton, Karen, and Hyperf Creative just did some work for us on our website. Can you walk us through a little bit of what they actually did? Yeah. So she went through. She audited everything on our uh, terrible website that I designed and created. It turns out we need to change it all. But I that trust her, so I Did said, she actually just tell us please to do. <laughs> yeah. She's like, well, you need to remove all of your likeness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she did a competitor analysis for us, showed us where we rank in terms of distilling podcasts. It's very low. Yeah. Out of the two. lowest. <laughs> yeah. There's three podcasts we are negative <laughs> yeah. six. And the other one is just a duplicate that we accidentally made when we first uploaded to iTunes, and we're losing to that. Yeah. <laughs> and then she will be helping us out with all social media problems that, you know, I, I know it's obvious to to listener, but we are terrible at keeping up with social media. So we're we terrible at pretty much everything <laughs> yeah. involved with this right. podcast. The one thing you'll find with us independently and as a group is at the very least we're really good at surrounding ourselves with people who know a hell of a lot more than us so again thank you karen and hyperf creative we appreciate you and please save us from ourselves yeah thanks karen i mean i'm i mean that sincerely which i hate laughing when i say that (laughs) but i'm never serious so i need you to know i'm this is probably the worst decision you ever made but we appreciate it (laughs) We're going to do all we can to talk you out of this over the course yeah. of the next few podcasts. So yeah, go to highproofcreative.com. This is the Still Talking Podcast, our reverent industry podcast with Colton Zeno and myself, Brian. Today we're talking about American whiskey. Woo! Zeno. Woo! I guess I think when you think American whiskey, people think bourbon and rye, right? Yeah. And we've talked about American single malt a bunch. Right. And we know brown spirits and bourbon, it's it's completely still on the rise, right? Can we all agree on that at least? Yes. So you have to think about, you know, me coming from the double macro size and me watching expansions at every one of those places. And then the way that even mid-level craft distillers are. Or you have the contract, the Bardstown bourbon model. We've spoke about that on this podcast before, too. Is is that bubble going to burst? What does that timeline look like? What are people drinking? Is anyone getting tired of it? I guess I think I'm saying that, and it's like I'm getting tired of it. Which one? Of bourbon Which... or rye? Or both? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Like, I mean, I'm just, I'm not, it's not that I dislike it. I mean, I love old granddad bottle and bond, but I don't know. I get bored. Right. So it's just, it's kind of an odd thing and I don't really know where it's going to go. And if I'm getting tired of it, I can't be the only one. I mean, it's kind of a, well, to be overly simplistic, I mean, it really does come down to supply and demand. Those are the two things we need to talk about. You know, what is the consumer demand? Is it continuing to grow? Will it flatline? And then the supply is a huge issue because, as you just said, all of the double macros essentially increased their production a few years ago. And then a lot of these mid to small craft producers increased their production, too. So what was that? I mean, when did the double macro start increasing their production? They've been they've been kind of increasing production for the I'd say like the last three years. So what we're but, about a year away probably from really starting to see no no, no because their their big expansion plans are like within the next two years. Okay, and I, and I think a lot of that's impacted where it's where it differs from the the craft side is is that they do a lot of overseas sales. Yeah, and that that market has exploded too. There's a release valve, so, so that's a skewed. But, you know, I mean, I'm like, I can't give specifics or anything, but I mean, there's serious expansion. It's well known, like every distillery like that you think of your Buffalo Traces, your right, your Brown Foreman's, your Beam Suntories, right? They're all growing because brown spirits exploded. The, there was a bourbon explosion. That right. sounds terrible. <laughs> In this industry, yeah, explosion yeah. is not a good word. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, but there's some trepidation with all that, too that you can sense it's like well is this still going to do what it's been doing like are people still is the demand still going to be there and i don't know i mean you guys we you know you go to competitions and you see how many whiskeys how many bourbons and rye in the craft it's it's the biggest category sure right? right and i'm not trying to compare those to double macro because you really can it's kind of a different beast it's like apples and elephants you know it, they're just not at all the same, really. Just, you have to take it for what it is. And if you like it, you like it. But it's totally separate from... If I want Old Granddad Bottle and Bond, I want Old Granddad Bottle and Bond. I know what I'm getting. It's consistent. It's at a reasonable price. If I get a craft spirit, it's something else that I really care about. How they're crafting it. What they're trying to do. Or the spirit itself is creative or unique. And I give it a little bit of a leniency on how consistent it is. But... Is that going to stick around? Well, I think a couple things. I think just the sheer volume that's about to get, you know, that's being produced and about to get released is just good, is going to keep consumers interested. There's, there's going to be so much out there that, you know. So you don't it's, think we're going to run into of, an oversupply problem? I don't think so as much. I mean, it's good. they're almost going to dictate, not 100%, but a little bit of consumer taste just because it's what's available. It's what's around. And then talking about, you know, expansion overseas, you know, one, I think if if people start getting tired of overseas, if if they start getting tired of, you know, double macro bourbon and rye, then they might start looking at craft bourbon and rye from America coming over, you know, so they'll kind of like. Sure, I could see that. I think that, you know, the craft sector is that double macro needs them, right? They're not a threat, but they're very much. But we, but we also, we also need double macro for like what I was just saying. They're kind of like introducing the world's a little bit to you know American rye whiskey, just the tip. just the tip, and then you know 
the obviously larger craft section is going to come in. And... <laughs> and mostly as a whole, the quality is incredibly solid. So they're getting good quality from Double Macro, which drives the interest and the appreciation for smaller craft brands, which also I think craft does have one benefit, which is one of its drawbacks, is it can only produce so much in a small distillery. So you're going to run into supply side issues where they, they can't produce enough for the demand, assuming they do a good job, which is actually a benefit because then consumers will continue to search out those craft brands and try and get an appreciation because they'll start to you know there's um that limited supply so there's kind of that intrinsic human nature of i want that thing because i can only get one or two bottles yeah it's like the the antique collection right? yeah like yes. this is, yeah right it, yes yeah. you're gonna see the the bill thomases of the world you know the guys who own like jack rose in dc they're gonna continue travel around the country and pick up these amazing bottles and i think that's only you know that you know the whiskey hunters of the world that's only going to boom more as you get these super small distilleries that are now four and five years old actually releasing really good quality product, but on really small amounts, you know, with really small amounts. So whiskey hunters are going to have something to look forward to, which theoretically would drive prices up. I might be totally wrong on that, but. Well, I mean, I also think that there's this huge movement of distilleries expanding to more of like, I always go, I call it the Bardstown bourbon model, but it's like the whole contract distilling for a large portion of your production year and getting a large continuous still to do the way double macro is making it so Mm -hmm. that side of it's really growing and you know i can think of a handful of people that are trying to open up new distilleries that are going to do a continuous column or they're expanding and adding continuous column it's a very it's a very common thing i think that's the way the industry is going because if you can't just go and get a pot hybrid still and you're like yeah i'm gonna make bourbon and rye and i'm gonna make vodka in the meantime like that i don't don't think that model exists right now anymore so what i'm saying is those bigger ones there is going to be more liquid out there and i say three to five years yeah from from bigger facilities right right well and anecdotally i can definitely speak to the fact that there's still a drought of juice out there i get you know, I'm sure we all get calls constantly about, hey, I'm, I want to release a brand. I'm looking for age product between, you know, this range of this quality. Do you know anyone out there? And they can't find anyone. I mean, it's it's not impossible, but it's it, it takes some time now. I actually don't get any calls yeah. about anything ever. <laughs> it's because you don't own a phone. Yeah. yeah. You really should update. Yeah. It's, it's only uh, Telegram it's really for beneficial. him. <laughs> yeah, you have to send me a carrier pigeon. <laughs> Well, so do you think there'll be a pushback once uh, a lot of those craft guys who are moving to contracts, will there be a pushback like there was on MGP? I think there will be even mm. more because the juice the juice so. won't be as consistent. You know, where people saying, oh, you're just buying it from someone else. And with all these new... Yeah, but are even people saying that anymore? I feel like that people aren't even mad about that anymore. Because, right. But because think, right. MGP solidified itself as a like really high quality product always. And you know it's right. kind of a gam- it's right, a gamble it's, it's with all these the new product, guys. It's about the deception, on. sure. It, transparency. It's all about transparency. Sure. And yeah, you have a subset of consumers who really do look at that label and say, is it distilled and bottled by, or is it produced and bottled by, or is it you know is it produced in Indiana, bottled in Michigan? You know, you have people who really look into that, and I think you can 
you can get ahead of that by being very transparent and saying it's sourced from this area, but this is what makes it special. And you see that all the time. You see people who are either doing additives or doing finishing or they're doing some unique blending. They know they have to be fairly transparent now. And if they're not, yeah, that story could crop up again. You could see more lawsuits too. You know, the whole handcrafted lawsuit sure. situations like that. But that seems to have really kind of downsized now that the public fervor is kind of over it and they realize you have to be transparent otherwise yeah you will get torn apart as you should i mean that's one of the big things in our industry i think we have to help safeguard against too you know and i know what acsa has a code of ethics on that um some of the other groups talk a lot about that and i think that's something we have to all push internally self-business business ethics <laughs> yeah yeah Careful, this podcast just got sexy. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely not going to talk about business ethics on this podcast. Uh, if you want anything ethical from this podcast, I'm afraid, listener, you've come yeah. to the wrong place. Yes. Okay, so I was thinking about this when you were talking because you were boring the shit out of me. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, in all seriousness, though, I was thinking about it. I'm like, but if I do get sick of it, so say three to five years, and there's all this, there's more liquid coming from fewer places because there's all these new contract distilleries out, but they're kind of pushing the double macro side. Is there anything that's even going to threaten that American spirit wise rum brandy? You know, I've been hearing about rum and brandy. Uh, yeah. Exa- every, life. every year yeah. is the next hot thing. So yeah. I'm sure someday it will be the next hot thing. Like in 1776. <laughs> Well, and let's one of the reasons rum and brandy is fairly hot is because it rides on the coattails of other aged spirits, predominantly American whiskey. That's why it gets some consumer attention. But I, I, th- I think that the double macro side is struggling with all of this too, though. So you're, you're talking about <laughs> nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. Smooth. I didn't. I didn't almost kick over this vase thing that I don't even know what it does. It's like an urn, but. It doesn't have the anything. throw pillow of faces. It's just like a list is like, Zeno, you will be in there <laughs> like next week. Um, it's no, but the double macro side, like they, you keep churning out the same things over and over. I think, you know, how do they innovate? Because the days of the flavored whiskeys, I think, are mostly behind us. Mostly. Well, so are we talking. It seems like yes, it's it's mostly behind us in America's market, but like we said, they they just you think flavor whiskeys are going to have another peak over somewhere else, export? right? I mean, they could, you know, if if they mark say it if, if they insane. market it right, sure. Yeah, I think that I think you're right. You know, the American market is definitely kind of fatigued on that. Yeah, it's uh, it's pumped the brakes a little bit. So if we're going to do trends and what we think is coming up, and I think we may have touched on this in a previous episode, the big thing I'm seeing is celebrity whiskeys. So celebrity brands, um, not just celebrity brands now, but we're seeing a ton on like uh, intellectual property brands. So like, what are the, what's the one that just came out not too long ago? Uh, Blade Runner. That, well, that's Johnny Walker, but Johnny Walker did like a Blade yeah. Runner themed bottle. They're doing a White Walker themed whiskey. Oh, they have the whole, Game of yeah, they have the like six distilleries in Scotland are doing that, right? Yes, yes. And then uh, Lady Walker. And so there's different brands and themes. I think we'll see more like political theme things. We'll see more definitely TV shows, movies. What do you guys think about that? Is that going to keep growing or is that just a, a blip? I think that, I that think... sounds like a blip to me. I mean, well, I was gonna th- that's going to keep going. 
right. I've I nothing know, to base off of. I, I just was waiting for Colton to say an answer, and I immediately so you say the opposite. the opposite. I was really hoping that would happen. I mean, there there'll always be shit like that, but in terms of like big popularity and actual yeah. sales, Sammy Sammy fucking Hagar had a tequila. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, and fuck him. Because, Dave... <laughs> because I mean, if you like Sammy, Sammy Hagar Van Halen more than you like David Lee Roth Van Halen, you're an idiot. Uh, we might have lost listener. But who knows? Yeah. <laughs> oh, because he's a huge Sammy Hagar fan? Yep. Good. Goodbye, listener. Yeah. Didn't watch your ears anyways. I, I, just, I think you're right, Colton. That does happen all the time. But I think that getting creative with your branding whether it's you know a movie or a tv series or a uh celebrity that's just something else okay are they out of ideas all right so i mean i i see blending coming like blending blending is the biggest thing right now that's what i really see i think american whiskey's are really starting they're leaning into that too what i'd like to see is them do what the scots do where you know scots have like a freaking billion barrels of whiskey right and they're like i'll trade you th- two islays for six highlands yeah right and then they blend and like that really is that it's like they use right. them as a unit right like so it's the american equivalent of that have we seen that before is that how would you do it if you had the power I mean, high, the high west is the equivalent at the that. moment high, well high west and mgp actually i mean right people are taking mgp around and blending it usually with other mgp barrels but doing their own blends nonetheless so i blended this water with more water (laughs) yeah (laughs) guess what it tastes like water yeah no i think that all right that's a good question what's the equivalent i think you just go based on like grain bill and age right so you're like hey you give me one nine year rye and i'll give you three four-year, 72% corn bourbon. Right? Something along those lines. I'm right. totally pulling those numbers now, out Now, do you, do you think it's going to be the the big boys who start doing that or the craft guys? I think it's the big boys should start doing it. Now that I'm not on that side, I can say that too. I really do think that they should because yeah. if you're interested in blends, you kind of pigeonhole yourself to where you have too much product, but it's like one thing. You have systematically made this thing really well, and you do it right. Is there a company out there that is just buying up, you know, different... Isn't that different... kind of how Willet got their start? I mean, didn't Willet essentially... That's, that's how they started got... producing their own? Yeah. Back in the 70s, yeah. 80s? Yeah, they got... Yeah, that's how they got restarted, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, I think that... There's some merit to that, and maybe some interesting things can come out of that, and maybe that's what the future of American whiskey is. But I mean, I'm still going to drink old Granddad Bottle of Bond. It's just I'm, I, we keep talking about what's the big thing in American whiskey, and I'm no longer. I think I'm getting further and further away from it being an American single malt. Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. Right? Is that is that based on quality, the lack of innovation, where things have kind of plateaued? What's drawing you to that conclusion? Well, because if I want to drink single malt, I want to drink scotch. I, that's what I'm going to drink. And it's arguably 
No, it's that's my favorite spirit. Like if I had to pick a favorite, I hate the word favorite because it's bullshit. <laughs> if you ask me tomorrow, I might say it's bourbon cream liqueur. I will never say that because I'm not Ooh, sweet bourbon cream. <laughs> yeah. Sweet bourbon cream, so but only if they wax the top of it. Like, Zeno, could you talk slower <laughs> and in a deeper voice? Yeah. I, I don't know that my voice gets much deeper, Brian. Try a higher voice. It's more, more grunting. Yes, I would like you to raise your voice. I want it to be bourbon yeah. cream. I don't know why I said it like a Southern yeah. Bell. That that's has just all to I go got. into yeah. our teaser. If that's not in our intro teaser, I quit. My, Every episode. My, my teaser. I, I want some bourbon cream. That's going to be my new ringtone for you. Yeah. Good luck, you'll never hear it because I never call you. That's because you don't have a phone. We've already established that, you old bastard. Yeah. Um, now I forget what I was talking about. It was something profound. It was really good. Oh, because I'm going to drink scotch. All right, then, then okay. If I want to get deviate from that and get a little more creative, I'm going to drink Japanese whiskey, which is equally amazing and I also love. So it's pretty far down but the list. But it's also like, very, oh, very single malt focused, right? So, right. But there's not like uh, the American single malt thing. Maybe it is. So it's a lack of really a, a lot of good American quality single malts. American. Single but couldn't we grow towards that? I mean, couldn't that be where we're at twenty years from now? I don't know. I think that it's. I think that you'll sooner get more blending and some kind of variations on bourbon and rye. I mean, why aren't more people finishing in rum cask with bourbon and rye? I know. They sold their distillery before they even made a drop. <laughs> Seems like a good business model. About? Angel's Envy. Oh. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and that thing's back. That thing is... <laughs> um, but that's the point, right? They... I, Picked, I, well, I guess it was sherry, maybe. I thought. I think they have some rum. No, I think it was a rum. I think it was a rum cast finished rye. But I think like there's so many like Beam Suntory Cruising Rum is one of their brands, and like Fred is. I can't remember the guy's name at Cruising, but like they're boys. You know what those barrels are like at Cruising? They're like, oh, these are used eight thousand yeah. times until they're until tired they as die. hell, right? Right. Like so, like, just get one that has like their single barrel master select yeah. rum and be like all right give us all of those we'll finish whiskey in that like but logistically it's hard for those big boys too because i mean you're dumping thousands and thousands of barrels every day yeah so i you know the barrel finishing thing is still out there i think the blending thing is out there i don't, I don't know if american somo will be there in five years i don't know i think it's gonna take a lot longer than that the japanese took yeah, when they start in 1919, I think. Was yeah, just, would they yeah. take, oh, a, a century? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but did you forget one key element? This is America. Yeah. <laughs> did you forget that? Yeah, so we're just going to make really big single malt? <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Just it's, not very, it's not very smart. <laughs> it's really, but it's really big. Really well fed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not trying to hate on American single malt. I know there's people out there and. Prove me wrong, then. God damn it, Colton, you're one of them. You piece of shit. Yeah, I don't need a lot of people to make it. I'll I'll be fine just doing it by myself. <laughs> I mean, I'll drink any spirit if it's good. But I think like when you talk about American whiskey, it's like I just get I'm getting a little tired. Maybe it's just because it's what I've. It's like my 
my daily drinker. Man, I, that is bad. But I'm like, <laughs> old granddad bottle and bond. Like I guess I, I get concerned with classifying, you know, any exact spirit as, you know, the thing everyone should make because one, the big boys are just going to, you know, make a ton of it more than craft guys can ever produce. And what are we up to now? 1,800 craft distillery yeah. or distilleries total, but probably 17. 50 of those or crafts somewhere in that range yeah right so where scotland's you know a lot smaller i think they still have plenty of distilleries but it's a much more focused type of spirit right yeah so and it's weird like the uk is getting all back into gin yeah and everything like there's like this other weird explosion going on over there it's right so with american whiskey one of the things that and again, I don't know if this is true, but maybe it's just because I'm too close to it. The thing I worried that might be getting more too played out is just bourbon. Because everyone was doing a bourbon. It, it was getting a little... There was a lack of creativity with it. What do you guys feel is going on in the bourbon market? In I mean, it's still, if I put bourbon on the label, it sells faster than anything else I make. Yeah. Even even so if it's, it's not my favorite bush. product that I make, it sells way faster. Okay. That's yeah, and you and you it's probably priced higher too. Right? And you're probably using corn, which is cheaper. So So that makes sense. That math adds up. Everything <laughs> everything is fucked. So end the of consumer. the day, make it with Cons- corn, sell it for more. <laughs> Damn it, consumer, you're fucking us, right? <laughs> like you're so excited. You're like Jojo the idiot circus boy who's so excited about you're like, Oh look at that's a new bourbon. And, uh, so it, seem, it seems like it's, industry it seems like it's moving to rye a little bit. That's kind of my feeling is rye seems to, well, and again, maybe it's just the industry side. That's what we're talking about yeah. a lot more. Well, that's what years. we're seeing a lot more too. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess that's you know, catch 22. We, we talk about it more. So two years ago, a bunch of producers laid down a ton of rye and right. now it's everywhere. <laughs> Mainly then, because still talking yeah, talked about obviously. it. Obviously. Yeah, two years ago when we first started our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Which is not true. Yeah. I didn't even know you guys two years ago. Or I wish I didn't. I think that there's I I just thought something too. I think that there might be there's like this whole regionality thing going on, right? Like if you think of we always draw parody to craft brewing. And like the craft brewing market, now it's like the brew pubs that are kinda kinda survive. Right, because it's such a saturated yeah. market. So if you think like locally, you're like, oh, I can only get this brew beer at this brew pub, right? Well, is it going to be Monongahela Rye, or is it going to be, I don't know, some other kind of rye? Right? There's a regionality where there's a terroir associated with it, yep. right? Or like when? Where's the next? My big thing, and I talked to you guys about this for something else, but like a different spirit. But I said, where's the Appalachian? Like why? Why is Tennessee whiskey like the last thing? Why, why isn't there a Montana whiskey? Well, water. Did you not realize there's no people in Montana? Like, Montana's two horses, a cow, and a sheep named Earl. I actually say that because I just don't want anyone else to go to Montana. Montana's cool. Don't fuck it up for us. I've never been to Montana. I really want to go. Um, all I, this, this is what I know about Montana is that my, my good buddy Boner... Uh, which is actually what we call him. I'm not referring to my. Thank you. My I, I needed yeah. that. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I, there was this girl that really liked him in high school, and he was like never into her. And he like caught up with her later in life. We were like I don't know, early twenties or something. 
And she was like, oh, yeah, my family's going to the Marlboro Ranch. Like, you should come. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. Like, paid trip to Marlboro Ranch. I'm like, I'm not a smoker. <laughs> I don't care about that. But that seems like it'd be pretty fucking cool to do, right? Yeah, he has morals and didn't do it <laughs> because he didn't want to mislead. Oh. <laughs> All right, let's go back to American whiskey. Let's talk more rye. We talked a little bit about how rye, at least on the industry side, we're all pretty excited about it. We talk about it. I think it is accurate to say that the price of rye over the last five years has definitely skyrocketed. That is a quantifiable measure of the popularity of rye. What else can we talk about rye? What's happening with it? What are you guys seeing with like the mash profiles? You know, well, so I think, yeah, I mean, rye? rye in particular, I think is interesting because it does have more, you know, variety in terms of appellation than than bourbon bourbon is there's kentucky bourbon there's bourbon all over the country but it's kind of the same sort of style and and flavor um where rye you have what you have pennsylvania you have maryland you know i'm sure we have some west coast ones that i'm forgetting but 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 like i hear you on this but it's not like people aren't trying to do that already i mean you can take i'm from pittsburgh right you can in case you didn't know you can like look at what Wiggle does. I mean, they're big. The way they came out of the gates was Benongahela Rye. Now they've done a lot of other quirky, cool things, but their big claim to fame, like what they tried to do, was a Monongahela Rye. So I'm like, are we just, you know, that's funny because when we did our innovation episode, I was like, yeah, make the old new again. I'm like, I just argue myself <laughs> over and over on this podcast. Yes, but you like, do. Yeah, it just. I mean, are we just spinning our wheels on that, or is there something more to it? Is there is it need more people and more support, more people trying to do that thing? Like, and if you go to Pennsylvania, like you have Dad's Hat Rise from there, yeah, right. There's like there's there are significant there's a regionality of that rye, and then obviously Canadian rye, like some of the rye that you're getting sourced are from Canada or MGP, but like. But it, I guess I guess different. what I was saying was. To me, rye seems like there's more room for, or maybe not room for, but more experimentation happening in terms of flavor profiles and everything than we see on the bourbon side. And I, I think, think because consumers are more forgiving because they don't have an expectation of exactly what a rye. That might be, is. yeah. It's a good point. Mm-hmm. I know it's a good point. That's why I said it cold. Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, if you look at the, you know, well, at, now like I'm this, editing like, that out. This. So. <laughs> Yeah, I know. No longer telling you it's a good point. <laughs> the, Jesus, the Jesus Christ part. You don't want him to yeah. blaspheme. Jesus Christ, guys. Don't blaspheme. I want my bourbon cream. Oh, that's the one for the auto tune. Yeah, I just rapped in my Lady Southern Bell voice. So um, good. I think there are some definite legs to this rye thing, though. So, like, even if you look at, um, like, look at Booker's Rye, right? That was huge. Right, and some of the older ryes that are out there, even at the macro side, double macro side, it's, I think that they made less of it, right? So it's a supply and demand thing, right? Yeah. But I don't think that ties into the terroir or like you know regionality of this rye coming from here, and people want to drink this because they're getting the grain from there, and it's not it's different from the local vor thing because I fucking hate the local vor thing. Right, I'm all for supporting your your local whatever. Like, do it if it's good. But if it's fucking shit, tell them it's shit and make them better. Otherwise, you're just going to support something that's shit. 
Well, and rye is a completely different beast because rye is not grown that much in the United States. I mean, that's one of the reasons Canadian rye was, you know, you could still find it because Canada still grows rye and has for a long time where, Amer- you know, American rye is just starting to come back. I mean, where are you guys sourcing your rye from when, whenever you had to deal with it? Are you getting much from the United States? Have you followed up with that much? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, there's there's plenty of rye. Yeah, there's rye. Okay. Oh, I, I happen to that? use a lot of German rye, but... There is also ton, yeah. tons of <laughs> what? <laughs> I said, yeah. You heard him. You heard him. Wunderbar. Uh, <laughs> thought he was doing a German accent in his Southern Bell voice. <laughs> you guys give me way too much credit for the voices I can do. Yeah, I, I think that there is more rye grown in the United States. And you think rye is an invasive species? It's fucking weed, man. Like, well, it, but that's one of the reasons it wasn't grown. Like that was one of the reasons farmers didn't want to mess with it for a long time. Yeah, and it's a little it's a little harder to process and you just it's super hard to deal work with, with like in comparison. But yeah. I think now, you know, now we have better technology and equipment to handle that. So, you know, that might be another reason we're seeing a little more of a resurgence. Yeah, we've we've come a long way with, you know, in academia and in technology. To how to process rye that I think it's still a bitch though. Like it's a bitch because of the ravenous islands and the beta glucans. It's like it's a viscosity issue, it's a conversion issue on your yield. And I'm talking about if you're making bread, if you're making whiskey, if you're making beer, it impacts you all those things, the proteins in it. Like it's it's not malt and it's not corn. Yeah. Right? Right. And it's not even wheat for that matter. Like so it, it's harder to do, but I think that there's, we've come such a long way in the last, I'd say even 15 years probably, that those hurdles of processing, people are willing to take them on because they like the characteristic of rye. I grew up, you know, my grandma used to give me for dessert a slice of pumpernickel toast with butter and cinnamon sugar on it. And you know what, right now, if you gave that to me, I would be happy as a clam. It's like about the best dessert you could ever have. I love dark rye. I love rye everything. So I'd love for more people to push the envelope in rye. I just am not entirely sure it's going to happen or it's going to have enough big support. Yeah, flavor profile is also just bringing that back up. You know, rye was less available, but everyone likes the flavor. 99 or 95% of people like the flavor profile. Wheat is all over the place, but we don't see a huge surge in wheat whiskeys. There's obviously weeded bourbon and things, but you know we have yeah. so much wheat growing in America, and wheat has never been a a big whiskey. No, it's like I can think of Bernheim, right? Yeah, like Bernheim's the big the big right. wheat whiskey. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I don't know. I think it's going to need some. If you're going to do that regionally, I feel like one of the big boys is going to make like a regionally specific rye, and that's going to push everyone or one of these craft or mid-level craft places or a bunch of them or right. do a bunch of really interesting stuff with rye. And, look, but like, you need time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you can look at Sagamore in Baltimore. I mean, Under Armour guy, Under Armour money. That's what they were ha- – I mean, it's it was MGP product to start with, but that's what they were hanging their hat on, right, was rye. And now at the latest spirits competition we were all at, we saw a bunch of these variations of what they're doing with rye in terms of blending and finishing – 
So, I mean, that's a good indicator right there. Obviously, anecdotal, only a single case, but that's I a mean, lot of money we to can, throw at Rye. We can cut this, but that was still MGP. All of this. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, no, it's going to be MGP for the next two to three years. Yeah. And, I mean, they just started producing this year. Well, I know I like to get my whiskey in the same place I get my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> but they've, they've been very clear that they use MGP, so we don't necessarily have to cut that out. So they've been very agreed. I got a question about talking about like the possibility of craft distilleries bringing up new styles of rye. How do you feel about the guys in like Montana and Utah and just out west in the middle of the desert where grains don't grow? Are they going to be able to create their own style where, you know, all the other styles are kind of like, well, this is what's around us. So this is why this is our style. How, how do they create a style that's their own while everyone knows they're, it's not local grain as much. It's not local ingredients, all that. No. Okay. Question, question answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dirt, um, yeah. dirt and sand. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, it's, so it's then Western here, grit. let's, let's marry our two ideas together, right? So they're going to grab, they're like, oh, wait, we got this Virginia rye and we have our whiskey and we're going to trade them barrels and we're going to blend it yeah. together. Right. Right. Like, I think that's, I mean. So that's, that. They're right, going so to talk about the environment. They're going to talk about their aging process. They're going to talk about unique wood uh, blends yeah. and types. So you're going to see stuff like that. I mean, you've got, you know, you, you've already got people talking about their unique climates and the variation in their seasonality. That is, I mean, that's not a huge selling point, but good companies can make that a viable source of terroir as well. Yeah, but I mean, the way I look at it is, so if I can't, if where I live doesn't grow the best, whatever, I, I don't necessarily need to use that, right? Like, I mean, I'm honest about that. I'm like, I'm trying to get the best ingredients at a reasonable price that I can make a spirit that I love. But I mean, that, that kind of that borders on, well, maybe don't have a d- distillery in the desert. And... Okay, maybe don't. <laughs> or if you do, or if you do, just be happy. Like, Make sand spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be your focus, though. Like, I mean, with that argument, every every distiller in California would focus on brandy, and True. that's not happening. Really good distillers well, avocado brandy, in California. Yes. <laughs> right, exactly. Is they, there anything else? <laughs> goes great on toast. Yeah. You... I mean, you. I think you can highlight some of your local ingredients, and you really should, because I agree. If you're in an area that's known for great apples, do some apple brandy, do some apple jack, do something like that. But I don't think it has to be your primary flagship, because it also has to be, as we've always said, it has to be a business and it has to be what sells. So, yeah, if you have a distillery in a desert, it's going to be hard to highlight a bourbon, but you're probably going to have to make a bourbon to make money. And then you can also have kind of a fun side project where you're highlighting you know, the, the local desert botanicals in your gym. That's hilarious. Yeah, That's but, the first see, time like, I've ever uh, heard someone making money off their bourbon so they can make gin. gin. Yeah. yeah. What the Trust fuck? Me, people do weird shit. Yeah. I've seen Dude, it keep, all. keep running your magazine, <laughs> yeah. all right? Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, but but I, I'm totally going to disagree with you because you can make a good bourbon in fucking Antarctica for all I care. Right, like if you have, you can get the raw material, you can make it, and you can do the right things. However, you barrel age, right? You can take the steps to make a good spirit. 
So oh, that was my point too. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying that going off the idea of you're trying to do a local based product, I don't think it has to be your flagship. I think it's something you should take advantage of. I didn't of. mean so I but didn't... there's absolutely no reason not to do a really good bourbon and sell it and make your money. I mean, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, I, I did I didn't so mean I... only local. I meant like people have their sort of regionality or regional styles and flavor profiles. I was just kidding at how did how do you think is best for a, di- a, dis- a desert distillery to go about that? It was a lot of it's words. It's good that I can I cut most of that out. So, yeah. How was your sap? Desert distillery. Desert. Desert. A dessert distillery. Um, I I don't know why why isn't you know the the tw- why aren't the Twin Cities making sweet brandies for more brandy old fashions? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Zeno loves his brandy old fashioned. So I, it, it, the whole regionality thing, it's just like, I'm like, where's American whiskey going to go from here? So I think that we come, we've come down to it. It's like, it's terroir. I'm doing air quotes, which I hate myself for. Um, you also kind of did like a head bob with it too, which I really liked. Yeah. Like, like a Valley girl. <laughs> Cause you know me, I'm a real Valley girl. Yeah, you are. Uh, sure. You're like, you're like the Oblong um, family, I think, of Valley girls. Oblong? Like, is that, is that, a, is that a knock at my physique, Colton? <laughs> yeah. Whoa, no whoa, arms, no legs. Bad jokes, man. <laughs> Did you not watch that cartoon when you were little? I have no idea. Oh, what go you're look it up. It's I know amazing. what you're talking about. <laughs> it's Will, Will Ferrell really like is the, the head of the Oblong family who live at, at the bottom of the valley and, like, basically a sewer. He has no arms, no legs. So you're making fun of disabled people. Yes. <sighs> Way to go, you know Colton. What that, Way to take you know what that was, guys? Low. That was my final thoughts grumble. <laughs> <laughs> we are ready. I'm ready. Colton is stumbling over desert distilleries. <laughs> We're agree disagreeing. <laughs> it's it's time to close oh, up I shop. See. I mean, it started out as a mess, and it uh, is ending up as a mess. It's called the bookend. (laughs) You would learn that if you were in publishing like me, fucker. (laughs) But the middle is also a mess. (laughs) Always a mess. It's called continuity, and we're good at it. All right, dude, someone say something with finality to it. (laughs) All right, go, Brian. Tell me something. No. Excellent final thought. America is a place that makes whiskey. <laughs> that is my final thought. <laughs> Keep going, America. <laughs> Scotland and Japan also make whiskey. <laughs> but not American <laughs> whiskey. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. The next best American whiskey will be made by the Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> oh, contentious. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I do yeah, believe that. Probably but true. I, I am... I, I am a little tired of the same old don't get me wrong, I still love bourbon, I still love rye. But I'm I am I'm ready for it. Someone out there, listener, if you happen to be someone who's a distiller or goes to distilleries, influence someone to make something that Xena wants to drink because I mean really it's all about me. <laughs> Agreed. That was a good final thought. <laughs> I know. Do yeah. you guys have real ones, or are you just no? I'm just that? I'm just throwing out bullshit right now. <laughs> that hot bag of garbage <laughs> that you guys threw out. Yeah. Colton didn't even say anything yet. You can't call it a hot bag I of talked garbage. About other countries. Said it. <laughs> yeah, he got me to the Japanese is going to make the next best American whiskey. Right, that's true. That's true. Which I think we should all agree with. Yeah. Thanks, Karen. All right. Hey, uh, listen to us on um, Groove Shark. AM Radio. 
We'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We Download have cheat codes on. on Game Genie. Yeah. Yeah. Goddamn Game Genie. <laughs> Fucking Game uh, Genie. Game Genie. Um, you can catch us on Sega Channel. <laughs> uh, Zeno has a great Twitch channel that you can watch. Uh, he never uploads anything, but there is audio of him screaming about Cowboys. It has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, not actually a Red Dead Redemption yeah. reference, just him and Cowboys. Or you could download us on um, iTunes. That's true. Oh, that actually is one you can do, yeah. That is one. like, Or um, uh, I don't know any other ones. It's not, it's no. not necessarily <laughs> you could... podcast related, but we're always floating around chat roulette, so you can find us there. Yeah. <laughs> right. I might be on a Segway, full disclosure. All right. Uh, Find us, us, download us somewhere. Yeah. Find us somewhere on the Googles. Yeah. Send us notes. Email us, or you know, leave us a review on one of those things that lets you do. A yes, review. but only if it's good. We don't care if it's bad. Please Yelp. Just send an email. <laughs> Yelp us. Yeah. Yelp. Five stars. Cheers, all. <laughs>